This is called Feel the Ad Love, a podcast produced by Radio Lounge featuring conversations with the people in our industry who make advertising, voiceover, podcasting absolutely incredible. Boy, do we have a winner today. Radio Lounge takes you behind the scenes on a variety of advertising, marketing, voiceover training, podcast platforms, where we explore current trends and topics that seem to be changing daily, if you know what I'm saying. Just so you know, Radio Lounge is a destination for audio production services, for broadcast, film, on-location audio experiences, and digital media. We also offer podcast training, because if you're doing a podcast, you got to do it right, okay? Production and distribution through our new podcast studios. This is Studio B at Radio Lounge, voice coaching and the production of high-end voice talent demos. We do it all, don't we? Bottom line, every day is a new adventure in sound. You can drop by for a virtual visit anytime at RadioLoungeUSA.com. Over the past few months, we've had the pleasure of really connecting with the Society of Voice Arts and Sciences, SOVAS. We've got um, so many people who are a part of uh, Sovas and so many things going on right now. You've got the Voice Arts Award coming up in December. You have so right. many things going on, and this is just such an exciting and a very busy time. So the fact that we have Joan Baker with us today, I have a note here from Rudy. Rudy oh, Gans you do? Yes, he wanted me to read something. That was a surprise. Okay, uh, okay. And Debbie Hirata, who is a, a an award-winning voice actor and has done so many wonderful things in our industry, I want to I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, Debbie first of all, and then I want to talk about Joan, and then we want to get into the conversation of this incredible thing that we do, and that's called voiceover. Debbie Hirata is an award-winning voice actor of national distinction. Her fresh contemporary range gives voice to Fortune 500 ads with as much verve as it delivers for arts and entertainment contact. Her acute awareness of storytelling enhances the creative process as she follows the lead of the director to create dynamic voiceover performances that bring words and images to life. Sounds like the perfect VO session, doesn't it? Same is true for her narration for TV and film. Ultimately, it is Debbie's nimble interpretive skills and willingness to take risks that make her work unique. And, you know, Debbie's been taking risks. I don't know what, if I want to call it risk, but I, I'd say you've been on a well-directed path here. And uh, if, if you've never heard uh, or spoken to Debbie and heard her story, it's it's a story worth listening to. We're so glad you're here. Joan Baker has joined us. You know, here they are in the midst of all of this creativity for this incredible event coming up in December the 19th at the Guggenheim, yet they have time to take an opportunity for a conversation through our podcast. Joan is an American author, actor, voiceover artist, on-camera host. She is co-founder, COO, and secretary of the Society of Voice Arts and Sciences. You know it as SOVAS, an international nonprofit corporation that oversees that's voiceover career expo, the Voice Arts Awards, and multiple programs providing training, education, academic financial aid scholarships, career counseling for voice actors, Sovas is the longest-running voiceover conference in the world and has honored legendary talents like James Earl Jones, Lily Tom Tomlin, Muhammad Ali, Bill Shatner, and so many more. So we're real excited about this thing, Joan, coming up in December. And I know it's going to be fun, and I know the folks are willing and really ready to rock this event with you. It's going to be a smaller audience, but it's going to be a safe place for you. Yes, to, uh, definitely to safe place. Also, right now... 
the, the voice arts awards have closed. The entries are now, and the submissions are now being, um, going to the judges. And that's a two week process of scoring the work. And out of the scoring of the work, out comes the nominations. And then of course, the voice arts awards is all about the, no- the people that are nominated and honoring them and the winners. Debbie has been someone that I think she's a six time voice arts award winner. Um, and the first time actually that Debbie and I met was actually on stage when I handed her her first voice arts award. Oh, so, how cool is that? Yeah. yeah, what a great way to meet. And yeah. it was for the most extraordinary voice acting work that, I mean, I was blown away. Yeah. But that's yeah. when I first met Debbie on stage when I announced her as the winner of her category and she came up on stage. <laughs> and that's how we first met. It's a friendship made in heaven. I like that. You know, yes. we met Debbie. She, she's the voice of uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, here in the, the Houston, Texas uh, market as well. A very mm-hmm. a, a, a very good fit for Mercedes-Benz. As totally. Well. But, but totally. you know, hey, Debbie, we, we have to, we have to, this is about you too today. Okay? <laughs> I'm thinking so. And you know, one thing about you, Debbie, uh, and I know, I know a lot about you. That's because I did my homework, okay? Your mom's <laughs> bedtime stories were the foundation for your voiceover career. What a great thing for a mom to set somebody up uh, uh, on a path. And talk about that, your mom's bedtime stories. Debbie, what's that all about? Yeah, thanks, Ray. I just am so happy to be able to give some recognition to my mom. Um, she really, she was a single mom. Uh, she, she and my father divorced in the mid 1950s and I was about three and a half and it was for good reason. And she was very, well, we're Catholic. She went to the priest and she was explaining what was going on in our household. And it's very rare. You hear a Catholic priest in the 1950s say that man is a thorn in your side. You have to divorce him. Whoa. No, you are right. Right. That is rare. And we oh, yeah. Rare, rare. Yeah, and we lived in a really small town, um, like of like seven, you know, seventeen thousand people, Port Angeles, Washington. And my mom was suddenly a single mom. And you know what? She was fearless. She just she knew who she was, and when she knew she had to take action, she did. But beyond that, mm-hmm. if she had had the support, you know, she was the daughter of immigrant parents from Sweden and Germany. And um, her grandmother died on the boat, you know, coming over to the United States. So her mom was only seven years old, my grandmother, and it was a huge loss to my mom. And they're immigrants and they're just getting started in the United States. So families had to depend on each other. And you never thought about what you're going to be. I mean, in those days, especially Mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. But But my mother really did have so many talents. She um, she actually produced this all-school play in the Seattle area, and she received a huge award for it. She was she was beautiful. She kind of looked like Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, wow. And here she was in this small, trapped in this small town with all this talent. But of course, I didn't mm. see that. I'm a little girl, and I just see a loving mom who's working hard. So yeah, mm-hmm. at night... Her voice, I inherited the quality of my voice from her. And, mm-hmm. and her voice resonated so deep with me in these stories. 
And really, genetically and memory-wise, I have that stored in my body physically. So um, they were so beautiful, and I just loved, she entertained me. And, you know, it was just, it was absolutely beautiful. And really and truly, that is always what I go back to, is that because she was so talented, but was never able to fulfill those um, talents. She um, she kind of, you know, she looked, the way she looked at Hollywood was, you know, she always would say to me, be careful because they'll just use you and toss you to the side. You know, that's in the mid 50s. And of course, right. we know that's what, what happened to a lot of women. But she never mm -hmm. was able to get out of a small town. And I saw her struggle against sexism. You know, we were so poor, we were thrown into poverty. And she, you know, she needed work to support my brother and I. And just opportunity after opportunity, denied, 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 mm -hmm. all denied. I saw and I witnessed her strength going through it all. There were some really dramatic things that happened in our life. One was mm. her being uh, unjustly fired. She um, she actually fought for the poor and underrepresented, and she was um, she was a and she was so not racist. There there weren't very many people of color in our city, but somehow she managed mm. for my brother and I to know all the people of color. And that's extraordinary wow. right there. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah. And in and in Port Angeles, she was an executive director of a low income housing authority. And mm. um there came a point in her career there that um a I remember this federal auditor from Washington, DC, Sidney Waterman, came to um, you know, check the books. He was doing an audit on their their accounting. And he took my mom aside and said, you are being set up as a patsy. There is fraud going on. And it was it was the commissioners that were her bosses. And so she, uh, the next and this so she immediately called a meeting and confronted them. and they 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 didn't say any wow. they didn't say anything to her. And the next day, she said to her, a person underneath her, um a maintenance guy that worked for her to take care of something, and he goes, "No, I'm not going to do it." And he said, she said, well, you have to, John. No, I'm not going to. She goes, if you don't, I'm going to have to fire you. He said, you just try it. And so the next call she got was she was fired. Oh, wow. and Debbie, this sounds like a documentary on racism and sexism in the 50s. I'm serious. I, I know, Joan. I mean, I know. That's what this sounds like. God, I mean... Well, your soul resonates sad, with mine. It's a sad part of our history. It's so sad. I mean, the the 50s, the 60s, the yeah. 70s, 80, yeah. I mean, it was all messed up, messed it's, up big time, not only from a, a diversity standpoint and an and inclusion standpoint. It was just totally messed up. Oh, we, yeah. We came from a, not a bad place. You know, you're talking about your, your father. Uh, you, you, meant, you didn't mention him uh, specifically, but I can tell what you were talking about is it wasn't working out. And when you get a Catholic priest to say, go ahead. I know, especially yeah. in the fifties. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's a big, I think that's a big thing that we need to address. I know I'm with, with the American ad federation and diversity and inclusion uh, is a big part of what we do. The message mm -hmm. that we move forward. 
And I'm sure it is also a big part of our world, I think, and I know it is, and it should be if not. But Debbie, yeah. that, that's a great story. Your mom was your mom, and your mom did what moms do. Right. And that is be great and translate those great qualities and characteristics to their children, and then their children yeah. do the same thing. So that's what you've done. I want to read from something that uh, Rudy Gaskins, who is the president and, and CEO of Society of Voice Arts and Sciences, he says, I wanted to share a note about why I believe Debbie is a perfect candidate for today's podcast. Well, we knew that already. <laughs> it, is, it is because the heart of her career journey reveals what the majority of the successful voice actors do to create and sustain a career. And you'll learn more about that in just a moment. Her story takes us outside of the rare few who voice celebrity cartoon characters into the trenches of commercials. Most of folks, the promos, the narration, and political ads where most careers are built. Your winning role of the voice of Claws, hit dramedy that airs on TNT, was a clear case of preparation meeting opportunity. Remember those words, preparation meeting opportunity. And Debbie was there to meet the challenge. She always has been. She was taught that by her mom. For the mm -hmm. folks at home who want to become voice actors, Debbie's story helps shine a light on one of the more likely paths as well as the challenges along the way. How true, how true, how true. You gotta want it. Newcomers often discover this path through trial and error, but Debbie's story helps define what people should know if they are to come into the business with their eyes wide open. Uh, one can become a great voice actor without having to become, become Don LaFontaine or the voice of Darth Vader. But Rudy's thought is that her story will help reveal the anatomy of a voice acting career. And it says, he says something about you too here, Joan. It says, Joan's career is much the same, though, as she fully intends to give the spotlight to Debbie. And she will. <laughs> but uh, both of you deserve uh, equal, equal sharing of the spotlight. I have to say that was an extraordinary note from Rudy. And it's true what he's, absolutely true what he says about Deb. Yep. Absolutely true. Well, I love yeah. She really represents oh, thank it. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. Yeah. And well, you know, I know that that we've been in the business a long time, Joan, and and so mm -hmm. I really respect you were able to to be in it in New York. You and so that opened so many ways <laughs> for you, but that was a different kind of not fight, but a different journey. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a smaller market because I didn't have the luxury of I didn't mm. have the luxury of moving to a, a bigger market. You know, I need really did need to help my mom up into her death uh, 13 years mm. ago. But anyway, yeah, oh. commercials and promos, political and narration. Uh, I, I Those are my first loves. And that's so cool. You know, Rudy gets me and Joan gets me. And I just am so grateful for that. But I started, yeah. you know, I started in a television station, an NBC affiliate in Spokane, Washington. And I didn't have any experience. I went there as an intern. This was really progressive because it was, I went to a Jesuit university, Gonzaga in Spokane, men, priests. And, but this was the first time, everything had been theory in communications. And it was the first internship. And my, um, my uh, advisor wanted me to apply. And I go, well, you know, I'm not really interested in a career in television and radio. I mean, I didn't even think as a possibility. And he said, well, you know, I think it'll help round out, you know, if you don't go and do it, it's fine, but it'll give you just a, another understanding of the industry. So I went and then 
three weeks into the internship, I was hired full time and I loved it. And I started discovering that I had all this talent. I, mm-hmm. that I was a good writer and producer and that then, um, through, through circumstances, I was just thrown in front of the mic because I inherited a problem that my, the woman I replaced had, and they were the all male announcing staff was, um, boycotting our department and they refused to record the promos and I'm 20 years old and these guys are like 50 and I'm, I am like this in the seventies. I went to my boss. I don't, if they don't do their job, I can't do my job. He said, well, then you go record them. And I go, me, I mean, he goes, yeah. I said, I don't, I've never done. He goes, well, go talk to the program director and the program director, a guy named Chuck Heaton, who's not no longer with us was so great. And he referred me to another, another announcer who really just what we did in the beginning part brought me back to my roots of my mom reading me stories. That's how I approached it. I didn't have anything else to go on. You know, I mean, I didn't have, I had one acting class and it was called Voyal, you know, Oral and Terp, but I had such a crazy teacher and she yelled at everyone. I just couldn't handle her. I couldn't handle her. And so anyway, so I started at the affiliate and that's where my career uh, went on from there. And I always felt at home in a television station. I really did. I always still to this day, I I just feel like um, that is my best place. So promos, I worked in the promo department. I produced them and I also narrated them. And then uh, I I was promoted to full-time announcer for both TV and radio. And, um, but in those days, the commercials were just written by the sales staff, right? So I would do those. Yeah. And promos were really, you know, I mean, Jane Polly and uh, Barbara Walters were the only women really on the air, well, for NBC. And because, I mean, I, that was really forward thinking of Gonzaga and the station to hire a woman and put me right on the air, right behind the mic, right in front of the camera with no experience. Baptism by <laughs> fire, baby. Baptism but back fire. then, but back then, you know, on the job training was very exactly um, was very much a part of it. Yes. And also, it was legitimate. Yes. It was a legitimate way of learning. I know. Yeah. I know, yeah. Joan. I, I'm still, I'm still a fan of that. I'm, I really am still Me a fan too. of putting somebody on and 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 saying, okay, here's what you need to do, and you will figure it out if, as long as you have a good basic instruction of yes. what you're supposed to do. But you, 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 you bring a talent to that. In other words, you can't right. teach talent. You have talent. Uh, you can refine talent. You can bring it um, out. What's yes. you know what. What is living there, you can bring it out, you can shape it, you can mold it, but you can't teach it. Yeah, yeah it's, I it's agree. a tough thing to do. But what, what you did was a really great way, and, and, and this was accidentally on purpose, but I think all along you knew that this is where you were going to end up, somewhere in the deep in the back of your mind. You know, Debbie, mm-hmm. you remind me of somebody, a generation of people who didn't get a trophy for anything and everything right. because they accomplished something, or somebody right. was handed opportunity because you deserved it. It seems like everything you do is based on that. And because of that, you are someone today who are, uh, you're very successful in this industry, but you also are someone who is very humble, who appreciates opportunity and yeah. doesn't take success 
for granted. Would you say that's a good statement? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's very insightful and truthful. Yeah. Yeah, it, you, it's you, all a you, gift. You, but there's th- th- there's a lot of work with the opportunity, the gift of the opportunity. Yeah, it sounds like you've never shied away from work. You're also involved with uh, Sovas as a board member, and you guys are very busy at this point in time as you prepare uh, for the, the award ceremony in December. How did you guys, well, I know I know you met Joan and Rudy uh, at the uh, at the award ceremony as a recipient, but, um, but here's a question, Debbie. What do Joan and Rudy mean to you personally? Mm. They are the embodiment of everything that I believe about life and entertainment. And they are accomplished professionals. But my, when I first started seeing Joan and Rudy in social media and um, Push Creative was their uh, advertising agency, I just, it was so like, how can these guys push this like they do? You know, because I kind of did, I'm kind of introverted in the, you know, I a little bit of, you know, afraid to go into the spotlight. but. Um, but Joan was so comfortable with it and Rudy was, and they were always like push. They knew who they were. They had the drive to get through. So, I mean, they became role models to me, but I didn't think of them as role models uh, because I thought, I wish I could be as open with my gifts as they are. And um, so anyway, as I watched just through social media, and but then meeting them in person. I'm telling you, being at the first uh, uh, Voice Arts Awards in 2014, where there was an audience, it was it was a highlight of my life. I was talking to my husband about it last night. I said, "Remember, we went, and the two founders and presenters are African American. It's an all African American, incredible jazz band." playing live music during the event. Dave Fenoy, who was African-American, was the announcer. Uh, James Earl Jones received the Icon Award, and I was in heaven. I was in heaven. And my husband, we just loved it. We loved it. And, And I just saw it all as so extraordinary. And I knew from experiencing racism in my family towards primarily towards my son in a very incredibly mm. horrible way that we were able to address and overcome that um Joan and Rudy had to have walked a journey of fire to get to where they were <laughs> and you can't imagine the respect and I go I'm going to support these guys at every step of the way they they are embodying everything I believe, like what you're in your advertising association, inclusion and diversity. Yes. And that's yeah. really, it's, and they're just, you know, they have an extraordinary way of seeing people. And yeah. I, I think they see me for myself like no other people do. And it's a really deep, lasting friendship. Wow. that's yeah, That says yeah. an awful lot about that relationship. You know, we talked about your mom, Debbie. Yeah. As well, being influential, but uh, uh, sometimes there's other people in our lives, you know, uh, Rudy and 
and Joan, of course, but that stand out as a big, oh, yeah. uh, being a, a super mentor for you. You've mentioned uh, Pat Fraley. Yeah. As, uh, maybe that person. And, and talk about, talk about the relationship that you have uh, with Pat and what that means for your voiceover career. What a great person to, uh, uh, to nudge up against and 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 grab some uh, uh, advice and talent to talk about. That. Well, I met Pat, and we didn't back in the day when you'd go in a studio here in Seattle. We really didn't get into knowing each other deeply. We just were all professionals working on the job, and we um, booked a couple things together. I don't even remember what it was. Oh, really? Yeah, and I oh. I don't even remember what it was, but I did remember him. And I mean, he's an unforgettable guy, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, definitely. So I did remember him. And then I I saw him on social media when I was starting to get into social media and that he did these workshops. And so I contacted him and I said, boy, Pat, we would, oh, I know what it was. I was going to a voiceover uh, thing in LA and I was buying some some clothes to go down. And the person helping me, she said, well, where are you going? And I said to LA and and I, and oh yeah, it was with a, uh, to see Pat Fraley. And I said, she said, I said, I, well, I'm going to work with Pat Fraley. She goes, I know Pat Fraley. I went to high school with him. Wow. wow. Thailand. So anyway, wow. that's when I reconnected with him that I went down to LA. Now he is wow. just so great with everyone, but, um, we've always had this special connection, um, just from, you know, professional and, what he's gone through in his life. And we reconnected because of that. And he, I'll never forget. He had a picture of, of himself on social media and he was just saying, talking about Sova's. And he was the one that announced it that to me that, um, that Joan and Rudy were creating society of voice arts and sciences. And I paid attention and I called him and I said, tell me about this. I'm really interested. He goes, they are doing it right. They're creating it in alignment with the uh, nonprofit status of the Academy of Motion Pictures and the nonprofits for the tellies and the Emmys. So they're really doing it the right way. And they have a, an incredible depth of experience and information. And I, I, and I said, well, I want to back that. And so what I did right away, I'm not, you know, like I'm really not a glory seeker, but, um, so I just, I thought, well, you're, you know, they're having their first voice arts awards. You know, if people don't enter and they push back and you don't have enough entries, you can't have a competition, <laughs> you know, if they, mm -hmm. if they will, yeah. for whatever reasons they would push back. So I said, well, I had just done a demo with um, Chuck Duran. And so I go, well, I think I can, I can enter that. It did become a finalist, but there was another guy who won. And then I wasn't even going to enter Return of the River. And my husband said, really? yeah, my husband said, well, why don't you enter Return of the River, the narration for that? And I go, do you think so? And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was yeah. stunning. Oh, my God, Deb. I know. Yeah. There, there are those gems that you find. And it's like, uh, it was I was thinking about that. It was a gem. Um, Exactly. Well, you know, as long as we're talking about Return of the River, it was a basically a, a big milestone. Oh yeah, that career. was a huge milestone. That was. But there's more to the story yeah. because <laughs> you have a more personal connection with that river, not yeah. any river, that, that river. river. I know. Talk about that. 
<laughs> oh my God. So here I am. My mother worked with the Elwha tribe and a lot of the Native American tribes on the Olympic Peninsula. She also worked in um, Lyndon Johnson's War on Poverty. Oh. And um, so I was familiar with being around Native Americans. And I remember going to, with the Elwha, these huge bonfires at night and uh, where they were, they had salmon on planks and and oh, wow. taking it home in our 1950 Ford with this salmon wrapped in foil warm on my lap. <laughs> mm -mm, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I had all those memories and I used to go in the shallow part of the river and play. And I'm telling you nature in, on the Olympic peninsula, it is like mm. literally you feel God's presence. And I remember yeah. as a five-year-old child saying, that I love the, I said, I love you to the Elwha River and I will always protect you. I said that as a little girl. Whoa. So then Whoa. when I, it became very emotional when I, when I won the award because I thought, how did I, you know, well, you know my background now with coming from mm -hmm. a divorced, you know, a family and poverty and how did I end up? <sighs> from playing in a river in Port Angeles to on a stage where Earl, uh, James Earl Jones is being recognized by an icon. And he actually gave me a kiss on the cheek when I walked off. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Yeah. Dale. Cause he followed me. I mean, wow. And so I did wow. not know that. And I just was like, and then he had his whole cast there. He had a big show on Broadway. Yeah. And so yeah. There's these amazing performers and there's Joan, who's an amazing talent and Rudy, uh, you know, really talented producer and a lot of people who had been there, Dave Fenoy, I, I didn't know any of those people. So anyway, um, playing in that river, I really felt it. And so the thing was the, the producer that hired me, I just did a, uh, it was just a scratch for a person who was sick, who had originally narrated wow. it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, the person who had originally narrated it and she was sick and and the film festival, it was Seattle Film Festival, they changed some dates. So they had to enter it with a new scratch, but they probably weren't going to use me. And so I said, well, that's fine. And I did it as a favor, like on December 23rd. <laughs> I mean, and so. Um, Merry Christmas. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. Santa Claus. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, and when I was doing it, they said they wanted me to be the voice of the river. Whoa. And Whoa. so the river was a woman, mm. Mother Nature. Yes. And I really got into the feel of it. Like, what would it be like to have these people probing me and, first of all, damning me up? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. then, yeah. um, you can't do that to Mother Nature. No, thank you. <laughs> you don't do that. Yeah. No, she <laughs> will win. Right. The story. You notice the word she, okay? She. <laughs> this is a good thing we're talking about today. You know that. Yeah. I've been married for 50 years. Oh, really? She. Really, Ray? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah, we celebrated our 50th back in March of this past year. Amazing. Yes. And being in this business, you got to go figure. That's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. That's, you're right. Merry Christmas right. to you. Hey, <laughs> 
Thank you. Yeah, really, take that effect. You know, it's it's so funny. You were the river. You experienced the river. You felt the cold water, the cold, clear water uh, on your on your feet, on your legs, and that's what caused you to do such an incredible job with this. It was really? a role that you literally, uh, not a pun intended, fell into, <laughs> uh, and uh, and, yep. you, and you came out uh, on the other side. Very well done. You, you, if you don't, if you've never seen that, you ought to uh, view it. Return of the River. Uh, go find that video. It's on Netflix. You know, I have to tell you something. It's on Netflix. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it is on beautiful. Netflix. That's our commercial for Netflix. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, Joan, I have to tell you, we 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 do a tremendous amount of voice coaching here, and I'm I'm always telling people, what you need to do is you need to go find Secrets of Voiceover Success. And I had somebody yesterday yes. say, I I have that book. I have the book. Okay. <laughs> And they said, and they said, and they said, did Joan do that as an audio book? And I go, I don't know. I don't think you did. No, you know, at the time that the book came out, um, I pursued audio books. My, my literary agent told me, she goes, I, she knew the book industry, but she said, I don't really know the audio book industry. It was just kind of starting, you know, it hadn't really been established and it certainly isn't a household word and there's no commercials on it like they are now. So I pursued it. I pursued it for a year. Mm-hmm. And, and what I ended up being told was that I did get an audio um, production company that said that they would put it out. But they said I also had to buy like 400 or, uh, uh, audio books of it before they would do it. So I had to I would no, have had to invest no. so much money to buy up the audio books that we did so that because the, they, they thought they were taking a chance. Um, and how I wanted to do it was I wanted everyone to read their chapter. And uh, also at the oh. time they weren't doing multiple voices like that for an audiobook. Yeah. Everything yeah. was relatively new. So my proposal seemed like, uh, we'd be taking such a risk. I did get two bites, but again, both of them said I would have to buy, like, I can't even remember how many. I just knew it was going to cost like $10,000. Oh, that's ridiculous. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, hopefully yeah. things have changed a little bit. It would be fun to eventually get to the, uh, the audiobook stage because so many people are listening these days. And this is voiceover. So yeah. hey, well, what a concept I'm, to hear all of There them. is <laughs> another book in the makings. It's just Yay. that it's been taking a long time because you know, most of my energy is focused on that's voiceover, which is coming up November 19th through the 20th. It's online. If you go to sovas.org, you could see um, the schedule is coming together in a profound way. Michael Winslow is hosting that's voiceover this year. Yes. Michael Winslow and myself. Oh my but God. He is hosting that's voiceover this year. So, um, and the, the panels are interactive. We're actually coming out with a panel um, we haven't posted it yet, but we are. And, it, and Pandora is hosting the panel. It's interactive. There'll be people chosen to work with them in front of the hundreds of people that will be watching. And also they'll have a fast track to being on their list to work. Wow. So there's there's interactive events like this that happens at that's voiceover. And, okay. um, and we're the longest running conference because... We establish these ways of people making contact with people that can hire. We also are all about the work. And also that's voiceover is about what truly happens behind the scenes in voiceover. So you're learning, you have opportunities to audition and work. And where can people find out more about that then, Sean? At sovas.org. Okay. And again, we're running. 
We're running out of time uh, a little bit here because yeah. I know you've got a hard stop in just a few moments. Because I'm going to be coaching. Oh, you're coaching yay. somebody. Okay. Well, bring them yeah. on. Listen, bring them on the podcast. Let's all coach them together. Okay. <laughs> I'm, okay. No. I'm joking. So September, uh, Sunday, uh, December the nineteenth is at the Guggenheim, and we're yes. not into the eleventh hour just yet. But there are are there things that people should be doing in preparation if they want to participate in this incredible event, John? Well, they definitely need to have a ticket. But once you have a ticket, um, you'll be able to submit if you have a high quality demo, you'll be able to submit to speed dating with your demo reel. Although it's a seminar at that's voiceover, it's semi-private because you have to be you, your demo has to qualify. And then you would meet between 15 and 30 talent agents, casting directors, producers and buyers. And it's a, an incredible opportunity to play your demo reel and get feedback, feedback that normally does not happen on a regular workday with agents, casting directors and producers. Wow. And also out of that particular event every year, people get signed. People uh, start getting um, work from cast, I mean, from producers and they start auditioning with casting directors because, again, it's an opportunity that normally wouldn't show itself. Also, there's the talent spotlight, which is um you don't even actually need a ticket for this particular thing, but talent spotlight is hosted by CBS LA. So um, there's a script right now on there. You can record it and upload it onto our site. And then 40 people get chosen out of hundreds of people that submit. They get chosen for a callback that happens right before that's voiceover. And then at that's voiceover out of the 46 people get chosen. And then it's like the voice in the sense that, um, or America's Got Talent, in the sense that they audition in front of the prizes. The prizes are Neumann microphone and headsets. And I wow. mean, like it's a $1,300 microphone. Also, yeah. you get talent representation by the, the largest talent management in the world, ACM Talent. Also, they get a job with CBS LA. So it's a paying job as well. So there's that opportunity and there's the Pandora opportunity in terms of getting on their roster. And mm -hmm. when you get on their roster, they call you to work. They hire you. Wow. Right. Wow. Um, and there's other opportunities. Um, LA vocal booth is going to be giving away a free vocal booth. Nobody does this. Yeah. Nobody okay. Okay. does this. And they also are going to be shipping it to you all for free. So someone's going to have that opportunity to win as well. So the opportunities, though, I mean, those are just a few off the top of my head, but it yeah. is a three day event this year. It's online. So, um, and it's being hosted by Michael Winslow. Okay. I mean, Oh my God. Home run. Irresistible. Debbie Hirata, some final thoughts about Sovas and about the events coming up is we're going to continue this conversation with Sovas, with all of the people that you guys touch and are influential in their lives, and they are influential in yours as well here throughout mm -hmm. the month of October, November, and into December as well. But Debbie, just just a, a, a quick wrap here on on what what Sovas means to you, and what this uh, with this uh, awards event means to you as well. Well, Sovas means to me that there is a legitimate agency in the entertainment business that was founded on diversity and inclusion. And it's, it, it gives opportunity to all for the expression of themselves through the voice arts. 
And in the entertainment field, as we know, we've seen it tacked on later on because when they were all yes. they were all founded, it was lots of racism going on, <laughs> and it never right. stopped. But yeah. but Joan and Rudy yeah. were courageous enough and had the vision. They did it. To me, it gives hope. It ge- it it is a light of guidance for the world in the most ethical ways. Joan and Rudy create yeah. opportunity. The mission of Sova's is to find voice actors work. That's one of the biggest things they do. And listen to all the things that Joan just mm-hmm. said that they've developed yeah. over the years. And um, what was the second half of the question? <laughs> well, and basically the, what the awards mean to oh, you. That so, was a yeah, good yeah, answer yeah, for yeah. the first half, though. I like yeah. Um, what the awards mean to me, still to this day, I don't enter to win. I enter my best work because I believe if everyone enters their best work, the industry will elevate itself, you know, and mm, you're right, you know, and, and so that is what they do for the industry. That's why you pay a fee. This is a non to enter the voice arts awards. This is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. They have to have revenue to bring all these opportunities to people and they're really reasonable, uh, you know, requests. So, um, mm-hmm. The voice art for me personally, so I just really entered it because I also wanted to support Sova's and I just entered my best work at the time. And every year that's what I do. And some mm-hmm. years I I haven't, I mean, I've been a finalist, I think every year, but I haven't won every year. But anyway, that's what it means to me. Almost, almost. <laughs> and you know, I don't. That, I, that would get old, Debbie. That would get old. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Get rid of it. No. But, but it keeps me but, young. No. Yeah, <laughs> I boy, that. I get that. I get that message loud and clear. You guys are so much fun to talk to. Oh, and and Debbie, we've known each other for a, a while. Yeah. And we've known uh, Joan and Rudy a little bit more recently. But mm. what a wonderful world to be a part of. Uh, and so us is so important to what we do. We love <laughs> you in it, Ray. <laughs> you and Bruce Abbott I at know. Radio Lounge. I well, know. Absolutely. Ray, Happy you are the voice of soothe and calming and caring <laughs> and love. You really are. And it's a, it's a, it's a joy to be with it's you. It's the truth. Wow. I second that. Those are such kind words. I, I just love the conversation and I love hearing the stories uh, from both of you and, and Rudy and all of the people we've encountered along the way. And uh, now Joan gets to go to a coaching Bye, session. Joan. Thank you for listening to Feel Bye. the Love. Thank you Visit so us. much. Thank don't, you. Don't leave though. Don't leave because remember we got to download this. Thank you for listening to Feel the Ad Love. Visit us at RadioLoungeUSA.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Do that. You'll never miss a new podcast. Your rating on iTunes is also a really cool thing to do. Don't be afraid to share what you've heard today on social media. Until next time, come to the lounge and feel the ad love. Copyright 2021. (laughs) I'm Ray Shellens.